All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in. It is a January 19th hump day edition of the Daily Face-Off Show. Tyler Rumchuk and Ryan S. Clark with you. We're halfway done the work week. There is no need to be pissy about anything. Ryan, thanks for giving us some time today on the show. How's it going, man? And I think we lost Ryan Clark right off the bat, but uh, that is okay. We will jump right into it. We'll throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the board. We have 30 minutes of straight hockey talk to bring you today. Rachel Dory will stop by a little bit later on with the number crunch, but let's jump into this Carolina Hurricanes and Boston Bruins game from last night. And uh, that's our topic number one here. Brad Marchand before the game jokingly on Instagram said that comparing Vinny Trocek to himself is like comparing a Lambo to a Prius. And uh, based on that game last night, I think it was the Carolina Hurricanes who looked a little bit more like the Lamborghini. Five first period goals for the Canes, six different goal scores in that hockey game for them as well. That's just straight up one of the more dominant victories we've seen all year in the NHL. And I mean, forget the fact that it was a 7-1 win. It came against a team and a Bruins team who had won four in a row and seemed to really be putting things together in terms of the run that they had been on. They had you know, evened out their depth a little bit with David Pasternak going down to the second line. But Carolina just straight up stomped them in that hockey game. And it, it brings up the question. It's a Canes team who right now leads the NHL in points percentage at 750. Colorado is right behind them at a 736. But I mean, Carolina seems to be an absolute wagon right now. Like you go up and down that lineup on daily face off and I got it pulled up in front of me. Like 
that that forward depth is getting really close to I think top tier status in the NHL when you consider the fact that Martin Natchez is still out of the lineup at top line with Sebastian Ajo, Tivo Teravainen, and Seth Jarvis with seven goals on the year as a rookie without having played in the full year as well. Vinny Trocek on the second line having a tremendous year as well. Svechnikov there driving the second line. Jordan Stahl is the third line center, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi who had a solid, solid night against Boston as well. I mean, you got that guy as your fourth line center. It's really impressive the way they've been able to find value as well. Like a guy like Tony D'Angelo finding a way to come in at $1 million and basically, you know, produce what Dougie Hamilton would have produced at the price tag he was given in New Jersey. Just really impressive stuff. And the blue line as well in Carolina, like, again, you would have expected them to maybe take a step back after losing Dougie Hamilton, but they found a way to continue to be solid uh, via natural stat trick. They have the fifth least shots against per 60 in the league at five on five. And that makes life nice and easy on Freddie Anderson, who's putting together a tremendous season as well. A 1.99 goals against average and a 930 save percentage for Freddie Anderson. It, it's all it's all coming together for the Carolina Hurricanes. And can they hold on to this president's trophy lead? I think they can. Them in the Avalanche, 36 games played apiece, only one point separating them. But when you look at the way this Carolina team is rolling and you look at how they can play at their peak like they did last night, it would be hard to bet against them. Let's move on. Another team that's looking pretty good right now is the group out in Tampa Bay. And happy to be back joined by Ryan Clark to chat a little bit about this. I mean, Ryan, that performance we got last night. Yeah, we hope, we hope. Uh, That performance last night from Victor Hedman with the lightning down to four defensemen. What a game by Hedman, who's quickly throwing himself right to the front of that Norris conversation along with Kale McCarr. Well, when you look at his night, let's start here. You look at the shot attempt and possession metrics the Kings had. The Kings held on to the puck 60.2% of the time, which meant the Lightning were going to be busy. But yet you look at what Hedman did. He finished with 23.01 in five-on-five ice time, which is third on the team behind Cal Foot at 23.43, Mikhail Sergachev at 23.19. But then when you look at the PK, he logged three minutes, 40 seconds there, 4.07 in terms of the power play, in terms of matchups as well. He was on the ice against Andre Kopitar, Alex Eiffel, and Dustin Brown, for more than six minutes and five on five. And in terms of on the whole, in terms of ice time, he was out there for Kopitar for more than 12 minutes. Same thing with Eiffel, nearly 11 minutes. While the most ice time he had against the skater was Drew Doughty at five on five with 10, 25. And overall, it was even more. But that's just it. And you even said it yourself. When you look at what he's doing, it's going to make this Norse trophy race between him, Roman Yossi, Adam Fox and Kale McCarr, extremely competitive to the point where we look at these four now, but who's to say who else might get in there? But that being said, when you look at the time on ice, somewhere Thomas Shabbat is sitting there going, guys, I average 27-11 a night. Can a brother get some love? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Hedman, fourth in the league when you look at total time on ice at five on five, 745 minutes so far this year. When he's on the ice, the shots are 409 to 342 for Tampa Bay. Like, Last year, it was almost maybe this isn't the best way to phrase it, but like the worst kept secret that, you know, Hedman was clearly playing through something. And now that that's fixed, we're seeing him right back up to the level that we saw in kind of the three or four years before last year as well. Like he's found a way to sort of get back to and I'll use this phrase again when we talk to Rachel Dory about some other players. But it's like the fountain of youth for Victor Hedman. He looks like a new player this year. 
Well, it's not only that, but when you look at the play last night where he had the goal, it's just, it's the speed. Like you watch it over and over again. And it's just like, what's the most impressive part, the positioning or the second he gets in the open ice, the way he's just able to break away, finish the play. And you look at it and then you have to remind yourself like, yeah, he's six, five, six, six, and he's moving like this. So again, that race is going to be fascinating. Absolutely. Uh, moving away from things that happened last night to something we're expecting to come today, and that's a potential update to the NHL schedule. Elliot Friedman reporting that the new schedule could drop as early as this afternoon. And when you look at the league here, I mean, there's only a handful of teams who are at the halfway point of the season. Just Tampa Bay, Nashville and Anaheim, only teams at 41 games. And there's only five other teams who have hit the 40 game mark. You flip that to the other end. Ottawa's only played 32 games. The Islanders are at 32. You have Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Minnesota at just 35. And the way I want to go with this, Ryan, is usually when we look at the standings and we look at games in hand, we view it as a big advantage. We're like, okay, this team is six points back of a playoff spot, but they have four games in hand. They should be able to catch up. But with how little time is left from now until when the NHL wants to end the regular season and how many games some of these teams are going to have to play and have rescheduled, Maybe it's time to start looking at games in hand and going, that could actually be a bit of a disadvantage for some of these teams who are going to have just jam-packed schedules for now until the end of the season. And I think we might have lost Ryan Clark again here, but I think the point he would have made, he may have very well agreed with me that it could be a disadvantage for some of these teams. Like It's really hard right now to sit and break down the playoff races in the NHL because there are just so many teams who have this huge gap between how many games they've played and how many games the teams that are at the top of their divisions have played as well. And this is why, I mean, Frank Cervalli is always yelling at us to only sort the, sort the standings by points percentage, but... I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams who need to do something crazy, like playing 46 games in probably 80 days from now until the end of the season, Ryan. Are games in hand? Should we be viewing those as more of a disadvantage going forward? Because these teams are going to be gassed. I mean, it, it just it all depends in some ways on the schedule, the depth and the travel. Because, I mean, when you look at it, like, let's just take the Atlantic, for example, like the Panthers, you know, there there's two games. They're two points behind the Lightning, but they have two games in hand. Whereas if you look at the Leafs, I mean, they have a chance to make up ground by being five games behind and eight points behind. So, again, the opportunity is there. Whereas if you look like at the Metropolitan with the situation with the Rangers, the Hurricanes and the Capitals, like you're talking about one team has four fewer games. Another one has three. And so that's just it is depending on how the scheduling looks and how the travel fares. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like if you're a team that's staying within your time zone or within your region, again, travel is difficult, but it's going to play a part. Whereas if you're going across the continent to play games that you may have missed, like that's where it's going to get challenging for teams. And some teams aren't going to have any sort of break. Friedman reporting that there will be teams who have games the Monday after All-Star Weekend. So keep an eye on Daily Faceoff. As soon as that schedule drops, we'll have the update posted on our site. Let's keep moving on here to this Pacific Division playoff race. And with Ryan, you're out in Seattle. I'm in Edmonton. This is a division we see. Obviously, we watch a lot of and it could potentially be probably the most fascinating division race in the league. When you sort it by points percentage, you have Vegas and Calgary tied for that top spot. Then you sort it by just normal points. Calgary vaults all the way down to fifth. The games in hand are creating this huge discrepancy. You've got the three California teams who, I mean, no one really thought they would be much of a factor in this at all. Maybe L.A. would be in the mix. But all three of them are right in the thick of this playoff race right now. Edmonton on the outside looking in. When you look at this list here, what part of this surprises you the most in terms of the Pacific Division standings right now, Ryan? 
Yes, we talk about the points percentage, but really it's truly the games played and what the Calgary Flames could do with this. Because, I mean, we were even talking about this in our pregame, uh, excuse me, our pre-show meeting where it's just kind of like you look at the Pacific and where to begin. And maybe the answer is really and truly the Flames and the fact that they play five fewer games than the Kings and Knights, six fewer games than the Ducks, yet they're three points out of that final division spot and six out of the division lead. Like, there's so much ground that Calgary Flames can make up to where in a few weeks, the graphic we look at now could have a completely different look by the time it, it comes around. But then it's just, it's the closeness of everything. Kind of like what you just said, like Vegas, LA, Anaheim, Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, they're all within 10 points of one another, but it's that understanding that the Canucks have played four more games than the Flames while the Oilers, yeah, they're still six points out of the wild card, but they played five fewer games than the Shark who are in that final spot. So we talk about the tightness. So in terms of the surprise, I mean, yes, we've talked about the California teams and what it all means, but in the sense of the overall tightness, it's just one of those things where at this point, give it two weeks and what we see now could look different than what we see in two weeks. Absolutely. And I think a lot of teams right now is they kind of do their pro scout meetings ahead of the trade deadline. Their, their plans could vastly change in the next few weeks. I think a team like Edmonton, even if they're two or three points out of a playoff spot come the deadline, they're probably in a position where they go, you know what? We need to add to this group because missing the playoffs isn't an option. Whereas you have Anaheim with all those unrestricted free agents coming up, Raquel, Lindholm, and others. You have San Jose with a guy like Hurdle. If they're sitting there and they're three points out of a playoff spot, they might go, oh man, as much as we want to add to this group and maybe make a push for the long-term future, Maybe it's smart for us to sell off a little bit here. Uh, it'll it'll be fascinating because you're right. The next two weeks, they'll be massive here, especially as these teams who have games in hand start to have their schedules pick up a little bit. Let's get to our big segment today. It's another edition of The Number Crunch with Rachel Dory. Always excited to have Rachel Dory join the show here. And earlier, I mentioned the fountain of youth, Rachel. And that's where we're going with today's segment, because it's not hard to look around the league and see guys who are at that 35, 36, 37 year old mark and are still making huge impacts with their teams. Who are some players that have caught your eye? So there's definitely been a few, I would say. Um, the fountain of youth has definitely uh, rained down for, for a few players. And you look at you're typical, like you expect Patrice Bergeron to be very good. And he very much is. You could make the argument that outside of the grade eight, he's the best over 35 player in the NHL right now. But then some other guys that I look at that are having just absolutely fantastic seasons, Joe Pavelski in Dallas, Ryan Getzlav in Anaheim, and Alex Goligoski, who's on pace for career high points while he's over 35. And so you look at it, we talked about Joe Pavelski a little bit last week. He's over a point per game. And even if Dallas start like slows down, isn't going to make the playoffs, they're kind of right in the thick of it. But he has been their best player outside of maybe Rupa Hintz this year. And so I look at it and I say, fountain of youth, Joe Pavelski, he's definitely making himself some money. Uh, he's going to earn himself another contract for sure. You look at Ryan Getzlav, uh, totally been revitalized. Um, the offense, he's on pace for a career high, 55 assists this year, 24 points in 33 games. And he's not really getting shelled, uh, possession wise, which is really good to see. And then you, like I said, you have Alex Goligoski, he's got 21 points in 30 games and kind of really looking good in Minnesota. And so he's getting maybe some lesser matchups and he's, he's getting some PP time. And so 
Uh, he's looked really good as well. And like I said, Patrice Bergeron, well, he's part of the perfection line. So there's not a whole lot you can really quibble with there. Rachel, you talk about all these players and you mentioned one in particular, Alex Ovechkin, he keeps getting older, but the goals, they still keep coming as does the production as does also the funny commercials as well. So what is it that you've seen about what Ovechkin has done this season that has allowed him to not only be productive, but once again, one of the most dangerous players on the planet? Yeah, I mean, Alex Ovechkin, I feel like we have these conversations about aging curves and, and once players kind of hit 32, it really starts to fall off. And I really think when you have somebody like Alex Ovechkin, that stuff kind of doesn't really apply to him. And so I look at it and I go, okay, he's on pace for like the most assists he's had in his career, up, say for one season. He's got 27 goals, which leads the NHL. He's leading the NHL in five on five goals. So he's not just relying on the power play, which is something that maybe you'd come to expect as he gets older. He's just going to stand in the Ovechkin spot and absolutely hammer goals to the back of the net. But he's scoring at even strength. He's leading the league in shots at 185. He's averaging almost 22 minutes a night in ice time. And you look at it and you just say, he's having a heart season in Washington because Washington started the season without Nicholas Backstrom. And they've been without Evgeny Kuznetsov for a period of time. They've been without TJ Oshie. And Ovechkin's kind of been that constant. Now they're without John Carlson. So you look at it and you say, Washington's one of the better teams in the league. And they're being led by a guy who's 36 years old. He's the greatest goal scorer of all time. And you just have to think, I mean, we keep wondering when he's going to slow down. But at this point, do you just kind of have to say, we just have to wait and see because all of the predictions, they're just flying right out the window at this point. Uh, quickly to wrap things up, I'll put you on the spot with this one. We've gotten a lot of talk this year about the three-headed monster in the heart race, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and for a while it was Ovechkin in third. If you had a heart ballot, would Ovechkin be number one right now? I would have, probably he'd be pretty close, if not the top of my ballot. I think Matthews deserves some consideration because if you look at his underlying numbers, and I know Ryan loves to do the underlying numbers stuff, offensively and defensively, he ranks in the top two in both. And so that's really hard to ignore. And I think based on what's happening in Edmonton right now, it's pretty hard to say that either one of them is a guarantee to be in that hard trophy race, even though we know that without either one of those gentlemen, Edmonton would probably be in a pretty bad spot. And so I think for me, Ovechkin and Matthews deserve to be on that ballot. I, I think I have Kale McCarr in that conversation as well but you can never count out somebody like Connor McDavid. Absolutely. We talked earlier in the week about Chris Pronger being the last defenseman to win a heart trophy. And if Kale McCarr could potentially be the next Rachel, it's always fantastic having you on the show. Thanks for doing it. And this has been another edition of the number crunch with Rachel Dory. Let's move on to our daily face-off inbox question. You can send them in, hashtag AskDFO. And Ryan, we're going to put our Tim Peel officiating sweaters on here and dig into a couple of plays we saw around the league yesterday. We'll flash the first one up here. 
Um, we had well, we had two. We had the Orlov knee, and then we had the Druan cross check. And we'll start with this: the Druan cross check. I mean, the broadcasters described it as Druan. I think what dropping the guillotine on Sagan, which is a weird thing to say on a hockey broadcast, but Druan laying it down. He was given a five for cross checking and a game misconduct. We also had Dmitry Orlov with a knee on Nikolai Ehlers, a play that honestly I think when you look at the injuries that can come from hits like this is probably equally as dangerous. The question is. One, both, or none will get suspended for this. And I'm actually going to go with both as my answer on this one. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Orlov, based on what the Department of Player Safety has done with these kind of hits recently, I wouldn't be surprised if Orlov ends up sitting for two games. And with Druan, I mean, that's just a play like a cross-check anywhere above the shoulders is a really, really dangerous play. And I wouldn't mind seeing Druan get a game either. Ryan, do you think we'll see both these guys get suspended? Or when it comes to these questions, you just kind of throw your arms up and go, ah, Department of Player Safety does what they do. It appears that way just because your point about the precedent being set with knee on knee hits, you look at where things have been going and what's been happening this year. It's like, yes, Department of Player Safety, they've made an emphasis on these knee on knee hits. So you look at it like that. Whereas if it drew in to your point, yes, it's the, it's the checking above the shoulders, but it's also the position you see Tyler Sagan in and that he is in, he's in what appears to be a defenseless position. So when you look at those two plays, it goes back to what you said. It seems like there's enough there to warrant the possibility that yes, suspensions could be coming for both. And our friends at Hockey Fights had some fun with that one there. They love when things get a little feisty. Uh, let's move on to our daily best bets segment, courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet. Just three games on tap today in the NHL, and I am zeroing in on one of them for both of my picks. Uh, so let's jump into it and check out the line. First off, I actually got a win yesterday thanks to Victor Hedman picking up an assist. So my cold streak may be finally coming to an end, but let's go with this Colorado Anaheim matchup. It's a Colorado team that is playing some great hockey as of late eight, one and one in their last 10. And in order to get some value on them, I'm taking them on the point spread in the first period. You can see they're down at the bottom, right? Colorado paying a nice juicy plus 115 to win the first period. If it's tied, obviously it would go to Anaheim, but I like Colorado in this spot. They're three, one and one in the first period in their last five, three wins, a loss, and a push and Anaheim has just one first period win in their last five games. It's two teams who are kind of at the opposite ends of the spectrum here. I like Colorado to get off to a hot start and I love that plus 115 payout. So Colorado in the first period is my first play. And for my player prop, I'm actually staying with this game, staying with the avalanche and going with Kale McCarr to pick up an assist. I love my assist props. The payout here isn't great at minus 135, but McCarr has been an absolute assist machine six in a row games with an apple seven of his last 10 as well and that colorado power play looking pretty good they're going up against a ducks pk that is 23rd in pk percentage since the start of january their pk has really cooled off mccarr has been red hot so have the avs i like taking them in the first period and i like mccarr to have at least one assist and that is our betting segment courtesy of points bet and to wrap up the show today ryan clark it's garbage time what do you got for us Ah, and I think we lost Ryan Clark right at the most important. Oh, no, he's back. There we go. Perfect diamond. Ryan Clark, what do you got for us on Garbage Time? 
Well, of course, last night we saw the Boston Bruins retired Willie O'Ree's number. And, of course, discussions have been had about how long it took. But here's the thing. We all think about Willie O'Ree, and sometimes we maybe forget what life was like for him before he really started coming back into the public eye, where we really didn't see him in hockey spaces. And when we have these conversations about how do we continue to make this game more diverse and more inclusive, Maybe let's look at the fact that we had generations of players of color like Willie O'Ree, like Val James, who they were involved in the game. Whereas if you look at their counterparts, how many former players do we see go into different roles, whether it be as agents, executives, scouts, whatever the case might be. And so when you look at Willie O'Ree, yes, it's important to look at what he did to get to this point. But when you're looking at the game going forward, it's about asking, how do we look at getting more players of color, more women, really anyone we haven't seen in these spaces, into these spaces. So that way, when we look 30, 40 years down the road, it's not another repeat incident of honoring someone later in life. They were in the picture the whole time. I love it. Yeah, it was a great ceremony yesterday in Boston, but a really important a really important segment there at the end. We call it garbage time, but that was far from a garbage topic, Ryan Clark. And this was far from a garbage show. I had a good time with you. I'm happy we were able to grind our way through the internet issues. Keep it locked on Daily Faceoff as always. I'll be back in the chair tomorrow with Mike McKenna. Until then, have a good one, hockey fans. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.